0: But once you've got me up there, I can't easily come down Don't drive me over the edge of it Can't you see I've got mixed up emotions Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners to, to another edition to of done done the Pewter Report podcast Energized by Celsius I am John Leggert from pewterreport.com And along with no one else today, right? No, everyone bailed on me from the Pewter Report staff it's a sad day over peterreport.com uh when nobody wants to come on the podcast with your boy, but it's because we're talking about NFL draft stuff. We're getting into the weeds of it, and y'all know how that goes. At some point, they got to bring in the big guns to answer the draft questions, and that's why I'm here with y'all today. So uh, we're going to do some NFL draft Q&A. We're going to talk about my edge defender rankings, which dropped today over at pewterreport.com. Top 15 was on there, and then there's a few more I want to get to before the NFL draft. We'll talk about not only the players and break them down. We'll talk about who's fits for the Bucs, but I'll also answer NFL draft questions from anybody else, any other teams that, that happen to jump on the show. If fans come in and want to ask some questions, we'll get to all those as well. We've got a jam-packed show with that kind of stuff. We'll touch on some Buck stuff at the end before we wrap up uh, for the day and for the week uh, of the Peter Report podcast uh, here in three, what, week three? Well, now we're in April, April Fool's Day. I promise no April Fool's jokes on the show. Um, Today. And this is definitely not an April Fool's joke. Today's show, as all of our shows, are brought to you by our friends over at Celsius. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. I've got my sparkling kiwi guava with me today. Healthy energy accelerates metabolism, burns body fat, no sugar, tastes amazing, no letdown like you get from a normal energy drink. Crazy stuff from Celsius and the amount of flavors, uh, the number of flavors and how good each flavor really is, pretty exceptional right now uh in my fridge uh so uh yeah it's gonna be a gonna be a good day gonna need one of these two only slept about three hours last night getting these edge defender rankings together that's why so i'm um, gonna yeah definitely gonna be uh helping myself to some celsius today hope you do as well it's a great product check out celsius.com to order yourself some or go to amazon.com you can get yourself the variety pack as well so gonna be good stuff uh from our friends over at celsius we got people filtering into the show austin williams says can i just say that this celsius promo is so much better than the last one is it because it's quieter is that why is it is that is it the reason i know a lot of people said the volume would just go crazy on their last one but we didn't have any control over that it was just that was just a song <laughs> and so i don't know um if that's the reason why this one's better but i do i do like this one a lot it's pretty it's uh i've liked them all to be honest the last one the music got me pumped up to be completely frank with you all but Great stuff. Uh, Austin Williams, first time in here live. He wants North Carolina running back Javante Williams, he says. Can't say that I blame you, stank bastard. In the chat, the one and the only. Wow. He says, can Quidi please fall to the box? Oh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about Quiepe and the rest of the edge rusher class and kind of what uh, this group offers and how good this group can really be as well. Um, we're going to talk about that today on the show. Yeah. Volume on the last uh, Celsius promo was a little bit too loud. Somebody saying uh, Chad says just two, just had two cases of Celsius delivered to my door 10 minutes ago. Chad, he's going to be ready. Chad's going to be up. He's going to be up when we do the, the late night show next week uh, with Dane Bruegler. I know I had said that show was going to be Thursday. Dane messaged me last night and he said, dude, I got a family thing. My wife just told me about on Thursday. I got to i got to switch to another day. So we're going to do Wednesday night. We're going to do Wednesday night, which, by the way, Dane's draft guide drops Wednesday night. If you don't know Dane's draft guide, some of you are going to ask me questions today about guys I've probably never heard of. Dane's heard of everybody. His draft guide is unbelievable. If you don't subscribe to The Athletic, please do it. And The Athletic's amazing. But also, it's cheap. And to get access to his draft guide for the next couple months, you got to do it. I mean, it's unbelievable stuff. He's got hundreds. I forget how many hundred prospects he had in there last year. Uh, but he's got dudes graded and ranked that, I mean, dudes like, who was that Reed Sinet from San Diego that the Bucks signed last year uh, as a quarterback? I mean, he has he had him like ranked and graded last year. I mean, dudes that you just want to know everything about the Bucks draft class and their undrafted free agent class, Dane's going to have you covered. It's going to be great stuff. So we will talk a little bit of Bucs, about Bucks later on the show, but we are going to talk um, today, a lot about my edge defender rankings. If those of you who saw them, uh, saw them go up at PeterReport.com, and I'll throw this kind of up here on the screen. So you can see some of what those rankings look like. If you didn't, uh, on, let me get this comment down. If you didn't see those earlier, um, you can see kind of what some of those, uh, the rankings look like if you didn't see them on the site. Again, if you have if you are wondering about some of them, you can going to have written explanations for some of them. You can see what they, the, the further breakdown of kind of all these guys on the on the um on the website over at peterreport.com but i did want to throw that graphic up there for you just really quick or that uh that note up there just for you really quick so that you can kind of get an idea okay this is where he has people this is where he has them ranked and graded you know for me really this class is is very high risk i don't i I don't love it even at the top i don't love it i mean just look at some of the names at the top of this class jalen phillips great player on tape he's my only first round graded player but I know there's character concerns. I know there's questions about his health. It's just, it's risky. I mean, if you, just the reality is that it's risky if you draft him early, you know, there are stuff you don't know that from early in his career. There's unknowns about his character. Who is he and that kind of stuff, especially from my vantage point as an evaluator who doesn't have access to all that information? I really get a little bit hesitant when it comes to those types of players. But on tape, my grades are tape, production, And, um, and athletic testing, that's what I base it off of. And so that's kind of what I was doing when I put him as the only, as a top rated uh, edge defender for me, it was like, man, this guy has everything you want. When I talk about pass rush athleticism, I talk about the ability to win outside of the offensive tackles hip with speed burst off the ball, speed up the arc, bend and flexibility at the top. And then the ability to change directions. If you throw a juke at him, throw a jab at him, try to get around him those types of things can you n- manipulate space with your feet and take advantage of the space your feet create do you have that kind of athleticism those are the core tenants to me when i scout all edge rushers for phillips the ability to to get off the ball quickly is there we saw it in his testing all the stuff you see on tape and then you see it backed up in testing you know you've got a pretty good prospect when that happens and so Saw him get off the ball quickly. Saw him win at the top of the arc. Saw him bend through contact and also trim contact with his hands, make flatter angles around the offensive tackle to the passer. All those kind of side of tackles uh, win that way. It's just, it's a deadly arsenal for Phillips right now, and he's just starting to put it together again. It was only really the second half of last season that he started to get back into football mode because he had that year away from the game. So there will be lots of space room for him to grow as a player at the next level for sure. I think, but man, I mean, he, there really is. There's a high ceiling for him and he's already kind of on his way there. I hope the player off the field does the same thing. You know, I hope he's focused on football. I hope he loves the game. I hope that now if he doesn't, you know, go do whatever you want to do young man, you know, that and, and enjoy it. But, For me, I can't get caught up in those things as an evaluator because I just don't have the information I need to be able to make good decisions with that information. So we'll see what happens with all that. I think it's a risk, uh, but uh, just based off tape, testing, production, even especially recent production, love it. Is he going to be there at 32? That's the fun thing about doing edge defenders. Typically, like last year, we just said Chase Young, great. Would love to have him on the box. Not going to be there at 14 or 13 what they ended up trading up to. This year, they could all be there. I mean, all of these guys could be there, hypothetically. I'm sure someone will get drafted before the Bucs pick at 32. But there really isn't a guy that's like a lock to go anywhere because of the question marks, again, with these guys. I mean, it really is its a situation with this edge class where you have lots of guys with talent, tons of guys with talent, actually. But you don't have a ton of guys with great production or there's concerns off the field or it's like, where's the development, um, all that kind of stuff. So there's lots and lots to consider with this class. And it means that I have no idea the order in which they're going to come off the board. Um, I have no idea which team's going to prefer which guy, any of that. Um, it's uh, it's, uh, it's a lot up in the air right now as we move uh, closer to the draft. Um, somebody wants to know, where do I see Quinn Miners going, round two or round three? You know, here's what I always pay attention to with those things. Early on, it was like, okay, the senior bowl. Before the senior bowl, he's like a late day three guy, right? Okay, comes out. Kicks tail at the senior bowl. I mean, no question to me that helps your stock when you're a small school guy more than anybody else, especially when you didn't have tape this past season. And it wasn't through his choice, obviously, D3 not having a football season. When he didn't have tape this past season, um, you know, it was kind of like, okay, the senior bowl might mean more for this dude than anybody else that, that is in this draft, period. And I think it might have. I mean, minors showed out at the senior bowl, took people apart that he was facing at the senior bowl, um, he just had a great week of practice. He played at center. He played a guard. Um, and so I don't think round two is out of the question now. I know that seems bonkers to people, but it's, that's kind of how it goes with small school guys, man. Like you get closer and closer teams start believing. And then the, then he goes and he tests and he has a great athletic testing at his pro day, clearly showing his NFL level athleticism. He took apart FBS guys at the senior bowl. So the NFL powers there. So you start to run low on questions because there isn't the same amount of tape, right? So you don't have as many tape questions. So you make up other questions and then those get answered. Your reaction is just naturally a positive one. And I think that's what we're seeing teams go through right now. When you see Daniel Jeremiah, Lance Zierlein, Dane Brugler, all those guys kind of come out with their new rankings and Quinn Miners is now in the forties, fifties, maybe late fifties range for all of them after being way later that tells me they talked to NFL teams, and NFL teams are like, "Oh yeah, this guy's absolutely legit." Like PFF, I believe, also moved him up, and they added him to their draft guide. So I don't know if the Bucks can get him at the end of round three. I was really hopeful for a while there. I mean, it's still a significant risk—a division three player, you know, with with the, as limited tape as he has. That's a huge risk, but he really does seem like he has the the all the criteria to make good on it. And so he's a fascinating case study. Um, Ali Marpet was another one, but again, he had the last year of his tape. And the fact that Miners doesn't have that, you know, he, he, again, if he doesn't go to the senior bowl, he's a late day three pick. I really honestly believe that. Um, so how much should an event like that change people's minds? You can argue that, but I think he's going to be a stud. So, um, uh, so we'll see what happens uh, as it moves forward, but I would get, a guess that if the bucks won him, they better hope he's there at 64. Cause I don't think he's going to be there at 96 or whatever it is that they pick him though in the third round. Um, yes, Iran, I'm sorry. That is not a, a Scott Reynolds graphic uh, that we have on the podcast for today. That's just my spreadsheet screenshot, basically clipped down. <laughs> James says we're so fourth round grade. He goes first round in a week class. I'm not sure if you're offering a prediction there, or you're saying that you would take him in the first round. Um, so a little bit about my edge defender rankings. Um, are all my rankings actually when i give grades to players those grades are in a vacuum so what i'm doing is i'm not saying at all it's not predictive at all i'm not saying gregory russo is going to go in the fourth round that has nothing nothing to do with what my grades are i'm not making any prediction at all in this piece my mock drafts those will include predictions and this is not what i think is going to happen this is what i think should happen or what his value will end up being in the nfl I think Gregory Russo will have the value of a rotational player or a spot starter in the NFL long-term. That'll be what he ends up being in the NFL. So I ascribe the value to a round grade, and I give that player a round grade based on what I think they'll be in the NFL in terms of their role that they'll fulfill in the NFL and how well they'll fulfill it. That's how I do the round grades. Um, So there are not 32 first-round grades. Uh, That hopefully is obvious to most people. I've found in doing this for years that it is very For an idea to some people, they are like, How can there not be 32 first round grades? And that's always funny to me. Um, most teams don't have you know 10, 15, maybe first round grades on a good class. Some teams don't even have five in a in a class. I mean, Belichick was infamous. I think we talked about on the podcast before. He would have 30 some players on his board total going into some drafts. Um, so that's how a lot of teams do it. Again, I'm not a team, so it's a little bit trickier for me if you're the Bucks and you set a threshold an edge defender has to have this level of three cone. We've studied over the years. And if you don't hit this in the three cone, you come off our board um, because there just is no precedent for success if you can't get to this level of three cone. Gregor Russo, by the way, may be there if they're a three cone believing team. It's a very important exercise for an edge defender. He had a seven, five, three cone, very, very bad three cone. Um, so he that may be, you know, and I'm just giving you an example, but a threshold, they may just say he's off our board. So I give him a fourth round grade to let you know what I think the role is that he's capable of. The Bucs just may be like, we wouldn't draft him at all. We'll let somebody else draft him. Somebody else may draft him in the second round. Bucks wouldn't draft him at all. That's what you have. That's why it varies so much team to team. So I'm not a team. I don't do it that way. I just evaluate in the vacuum. I'm saying, I think that's going to be Gregor Russo's value um, in the, in in his NFL career. Why do I think that's going to be his value? That may be what James is getting at here. Um, why do I think... Um, it, his value will be a fourth round grade. I think the biggest thing is lack of explosiveness. The reality with Russo is that he's not a very explosive player off the ball and he's not very fast up the arc. When those are your limitations as an edge rusher, it becomes very difficult to win. It just does. That is some of the most important stuff that you can do well as an edge defender. And so I just don't know if, when, if he's missing those traits. the Other things have to be great. You have to be physical. You have to uh, be able to get blo- get off blocks. You have to be able to basically create your space and create your angles to the quarterback with your hands. If you can't do it with your feet, because he can't do it with his feet, Miami saw this. They moved him inside. They schemed up production for him, or for really for any of their guys, but he ended up benefiting the most from it. Um, got a five sacks against Florida State, and just had a lot of production come off you know twists and games, and then had a lot of production as well, um, come off of being an interior rusher. Well, he can't play inside in the NFL. He can't play in the A-gaps in the NFL. Situationally, long and laid down, sure, but you need priority to be able to do something like that. You need to be a starter first and foremost on the edge, and then you kick inside situationally. I don't think he's going to do that. So, again, I just think, I think people forget about roles with players. It's like They have to be able to do these things well at a base level to be able to start and then get enough snaps to reach the ceiling that you have in mind for them in the NFL. I just don't think Russo is ever going to play that much for a team to be able to do uh, that kind of thing. If he does, I think the results are going to be underwhelming. So um, that's how I'd see it with Russo. Uh, Again, I don't think he's necessarily a total waste as a player. I just think he's uh, unfortunately uh, the fact that he was built up as a top five pick going into the season, then didn't play, um and it's become clear that people were projecting when they said top five pick they weren't saying now they were saying oh if he develops well sure if he develops and suddenly becomes a good athlete but he's not either of those things at this point in time so and he missed this past year of playing so it's not a good spot for him to be in i think he's going to fall by the way if you want a prediction james i think he's going to fall um i think he's going to fall out of the first round i don't some people call that falling maybe that's just where he always was um I don't think that he's going to fall to the fourth round, but uh, I, I do think he'll fall to the first round, yeah. Uh, John wants to know, any thoughts on Zaven Collins, who was mocked to the Bucks today by McShay? He's not a true edge, but seems like a great fit for Todd Bull's defense. I don't see McShay's mock, so thank you for letting me know that. I don't. Uh, I think you do have to have ESPN Plus, maybe. I think I do have ESPN Plus, but I don't read any of McShay's stuff. I really tend to gravitate toward people who show their work at some point in time. It's harder for me to get behind those who just go you know, put out a mock with one sentence. I don't know what your process has been. I don't know why you're seeing things that you're seeing. Um, I really have to scout Zayvon Collins still. He's definitely not a true edge. I know that much um, versatile player that you could move around and, and sort of like Scott and I projected a few weeks ago with, with Joseph Asai from Texas. Yes. I could see that being in Zayvon Collins future uh, for sure. So look at him i'll let you know what i find with with david collins i know he's projected off the ball so that wouldn't be my first guess uh for a bucks pick but the versatility of the player and the fact that you know levante david won't be around forever now he is a huge linebacker <laughs> he's very different physically from levante david um so uh that i don't know if that will affect the way that they see it or not very well could not because it's not like todd Bowles and, and jason light even uh, drafted uh, levante david so um, they may have no prototype in mind from that standpoint. If um, They just may want a highly athletic player, which Zavin Collins is definitely rumored to be. So um, James says his favorite pass rusher is Joseph Asai from Texas, who is speed off the edge, good get off. He's a tricky one because Joseph Asai, who is my number six edge rusher, early third round grade, which means that I would project him to become a good starter in the NFL by year three it's going to take that kind of development. What I love about Osai is that, yeah, you mentioned his get-off, his speed. He is explosive as explosive gets on tape. And then his numbers backed it up. His testing was 99th percentile for the vertical and the broad jump. You don't see that very often. He is a special type of athlete. Honestly, you have a couple athletes in this class that are special either in certain areas or all around. We talked about Phillips at the top of the draft. Jason Away will enter the NFL, 22 years old this season, he will be one of the most athletic players at any position in the entire league. Those are the kind of guys, if you're going to take risks, at least have risks on high ceiling guys. Last year's edge class, everybody was like, oh, A.J. Epinesa and Yutor Gross Matos, and you know, these guys can develop. Terrell Lewis, well, they might be able to develop, but the ceiling is, is very low. So that's why it wasn't even worth putting second-round grades on those guys, and I think this past season kind of indicated that. We'll see how they develop, but it wasn't really even worth that in my mind because there was just, even if they hit, the ceiling wouldn't be is unlikely to be worth where they would be drafted because they just didn't have that type of athletic prowess. Um, and there are outliers, but there are not as many at edge defender athletically as there are at some other positions. Um, you really have to have at least some level of athleticism, and that's Joseph Asai, Jason Away, uh, obviously Jalen Phillips, and he's also developing uh, some as well. Um, Quaidi Pay, uh, who someone asked about early in the show. I mean, yes, these are all premier athletes. They've tested like premier athletes um uh, pays three cone was rumored to be in the six fives before the season which is bonkers for people who don't know the three cone it's when you run around uh, basically it's it measures like the ability to run around a loop or the ability to lean as you go around cones um and it's very important for edge rushers obviously because that lean at the top of the arc through contact um, it translates very directly to what they do so that's a very important exercise for them And, yeah, six fives is just absolutely bonkers, um, if that's truly what he's capable of. If he didn't do the 3-con the other day, I don't believe. So you do. You have a lot of highly athletic edge rushers, and Asai is really uh, among the top ones in this class. I mean, he is a freak. Uh, There's no doubt about it explosively. Now, he just needs a fully developed pass rush game. He just doesn't have – there's no real go-to move right now. He doesn't convert speed to power consistently right now. Tevin Jenkins knocked him around. He's out of control. He's off balance. He, he needs time. He needs development. He needs good coaching, but he plays really hard. He has all the traits, tools you want. He's physical. Uh, he uses his hands. You know, again, like I said, he tries to use his hands well. They just need refinement. Uh, he's, he's plenty physical. It's not like a he has a desire to try and dance around everybody. Um, he just needs development. It's just going to be hard for him to step in early on and play every snap. I mean, he's barely even played on the edge. He was an off-ball kind of hybrid type guy, but he played 400-some snaps off the ball in 2019 at Texas and like 200 at edge, and it was only like pass rush obvious situation. So he's not processing into the run or stepping down when unblocked or using box technique or using a wrong, wrong arm technique to, on a puller. Like there's just so much he has to still learn to recognize. And so he honestly could be an ideal fit for the Bucs. Your Jason Light talk today um, – on his, in his presser about how the team could target more of a developmental player with a sky-high ceiling because they feel like they have that luxury this season because they only need the guy to play like a role this year, not necessarily be a full-time player. That honestly describes a lot of the edge rushers in this class. I'm not saying he was implying or saying that they were going to draft an edge, but to me, like if you are trying to find a future beyond Jason Pierre-Paul after this season, you know Anthony Nelson's not that guy. The position group still makes a lot of sense, especially if you feel like, all right, we're pretty good at running back. We'll draft one next year. You know, We'll move on from Leonard and Rojo next year, and we'll draft one. If that's the priority, then I think edge defender is going to make a lot of sense for the Bucks in this draft. And Asai could definitely be – you heard Bruce Arians, right? Speed and physicality. Those are things he values on defense. Asai has both of those things. He needs a lot else, but he has both of those things for sure. So there's uh, uh, some level of projection with him and some level – uh you might be able to take that to be honest. Um Phillips is the Austin says Phillips is the only D-line I'm and I would be okay with taking the first or early second. In a vacuum, I agree. The reality is not every draft class has, you know, 32 or 30, you know, five, whatever, better players than some of these guys or better chances because of their position and uh because of their athleticism. There probably aren't 35 better picks than you could make than, than to take a chance on one of these guys in a vacuum. So I agree that their, their skill sets right now are, are leave something to be desired in a lot of ways, but um, I just don't think it's going to, it's going to go down that way where he's going to be the only one taken in that range in the top 40 or so. Um, uh, Rich wants to know if AB doesn't resign, what are the odds the bucks hedge and draft an Elijah Moore or a Terrace Marshall? Um, it's possible. I don't think they'll draft a wide receiver early. I'm really reading between the lines here, but I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like they're talking up Travis Johnson today. They have Scotty Miller. They have Tyler Johnson. They have two of the best wide receivers in the league. They have Gronk. They have OJ Howard. They have Cam Brate still. We'll see what happens with that. But I don't know. It's just, I'd, I'd really would be surprised if it's an early pick for them. I think they're really going to try and get Chris Godwin here long-term. I really do. So, if you sign Chris Godwin long-term eventually, or uh, if you tag Fre- uh, Carlton Davis next year, um, you know, bring back a couple people on some one years, but uh, you know, you're letting guys like Cap away that you can make it work. You know, you just have to let some people go probably next year, but you have to be ready to replace them. And I think that'll be their strategy. Like, okay, if Pierre Paul is going to leave or if he's going to play way less on a one-year deal next year, who do we have that we can start transitioning in? If, if Alex Cap is going to leave, who do we have that we're going to start transitioning in? If, if Ryan Jones is going to leave, who do we have that we're going to start transitioning in? Those are the questions I think they're going to prepare themselves to be able to answer rather than you know answers for A-B, which I don't think they feel like they necessarily need. They feel like they view him as kind of a luxury if he comes back. Um, or same thing with Chris Godwin. Like I don't think they they feel like they need answers to replace him yet because I think they're really going to do everything they can to keep him a Buccaneer long term. So we'll see um somebody says just trade trade the first and move back and get Quinn Miners I'm glad to see Bucks fans are coming on the Quinn Miners trail uh because he's a beast uh, I love it um Russo might be a might be a bust I'm an FSU fan him having that one production is what he's falling back on but I hope he proves me wrong and a beast at the combine no combine this year obviously but he did his pro day the other day um and uh it was uh, not great uh ran or, is my internet a problem today it feels the last two days i've gotten rave reviews people have said it's been good so um we'll say we'll see yes solo day out here edward yeah i'm out here in these streets solo uh it's okay you know nobody wanted to talk draft no scott was wait scott's done like a million things this week so he had to get he was behind a little bit on the um on the on uh, the fab five so he's uh cranking that out um uh, today uh mediocrity incarnate once in i noticed you have a bit of a gap between weaver and perkins in your rankings I saw both of them, these players, as pretty similar guys. Could you maybe go into why you like Weaver a little bit more? Um, Yes. Okay. Weaver is late third-round grade for me. Perkins is early fourth-round grade. There are just a lot of players in that range. That range is solid starter to spot starter, like rotational player, good depth, basically, is the description of that range of players. There's not very much that separates those descriptions in the NFL one team's solid starter is another team's good depth player. So I don't necessarily have them that far apart numerically. It just kind of looks like I have them that far apart um, because of how the rankings actually you'll lay themselves out here. And so, uh, But I'll, I'll still talk about why I like Weaver more. Yes. To me, Perkins' limitations are similar to Weaver's limitations. And so I think that's a good observation by you. Neither are explosive movers, and that's where I start with edge defenders. How do you get off the ball? How fast do you get up the arc? Because it, everything builds from that, right? If you are quick off the ball and fast up the arc, you can get back inside of tackles with counter moves. You can create speed to power when you hit them at the point of attack I mean basic science. You also have more momentum when you go to turn corners. And then leads to my next thing. Are you flexible enough to be able to turn the corner at the top of the arc while maintaining that speed? So those that's kind of where I start. And with Perkins, and weaver the answer was no to the burst off the ball some speed up the arc for weaver but def- more like long strides than anything he seemed like he was agile not necessarily fast perkins is just tight he's just so tight like and you saw it in his testing i mean he tested like one of the worst athletes at the combo at the pro and pro days we've seen this offseason season. Um, just nothing was good. The jumps, even he didn't even do the three cone and the shuttle was horrible. And so again, it's just tightness. He's just not flexible. He's not, uh, he's not flu. So the way that he moves that on the edge, you just have to be fluid and Weaver, although he's not explosive is at least agile. He can dance around blockers. He can play under guys a little bit. He had a really good three cone. He had a good short shuttle. He's agile, even though he is an explosive. So it's not preferable, but I can make it work if your hands are good, if you are aware and you understand. Okay, this guy's oversetting; I can get inside of him. You know, um, okay, this edge is or this tackle is blocking down. I need to make sure I step down. Or this guy's pulling out; can I get out up over top of him, box him in, hem this run in, make a tackle for loss if the back tries to bounce outside of me? Those kinds of things are like basically what I'm looking for. And and to me, Weaver's just a way more complete player than Perkins. So neither have high uh, 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 um, athletic ceilings in the NFL, but Weaver, I just feel like is much a safer bet. He's just a very, he's a more aware player. It's a more well-rounded player. Perkins run defense did not stand out to me. There's plenty of times in unblocked situations, he's kind of hanging out and he doesn't realize you've got to step down and fill this gap or they're going to run inside of you. Um, And he's just kind of hanging out in no man's land. And so, yeah, he just, to me, Weaver just is a more instinctive football player, there's not a high ceiling for either of these guys. I don't think, you know, Weaver may never be a desirable starter for a team. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think that those are kind of some of the things that sets him apart. He's just a little more well-rounded, pro-ready. He knows how to use his hands a little bit better, uh, keep his distance from blockers, stay clean. Just a little more options in the game for Weaver. Uh, and even if he's – I hope he can become an interior pass rusher too. Situationally, that would help Weaver. I don't know if he's physical enough for that to be in his repertoire, but um, we'll see what ends up happening with that. Um, Big Chi-Chi says, I would be happy if the Bucs could come out with Ellerson Smith and Milton Williams. I don't have enough Smith, uh, Ellerson Smith tape yet to include him. Scott was very disappointed. He loves Ellerson Smith from the senior bowl and, and from his highlights, I think. And I think he talked to somebody that knows him too, but I think oh, Warren Sapp, you know, Scott loves Warren Sapp. Uh, he, I think he told Scott, he liked Ellison Smith. So Scott's all about Ellison Smith, but I've got to see more tape of Ellison Smith. I definitely want to include him in the next in the updated version, the final version before the draft. haven't seen it yet. And Milton Williams is probably going to be an inside guy for me. I'll have D-tackles coming out uh, soon at peterreport.com, my D-tackle ranking. So we'll talk about those uh, eventually as well. Uh, here we go. Not, some outlets have – Ty says some outlets have called Zayvon Collins and Edge – Not sure why. I'm not sure why either. So people love to do that. They love to change guys' positions because they had a couple good rush reps and pass obvious downs. There's a lot more uh, that uh, goes into it. Uh, Okay, Allen brings up, or Alien, sorry, is that Alien? I think that's an I. Alien brings up uh, Peyton Turner can reduce uh, Jason Pierre-Paul's minutes. This is interesting. Peyton Turner's one of my favorites of this edge class. He's number five for me overall in this edge class, but – I don't know whether he's a fit for the Bucs, unfortunately. He's just so much better from a three-point stance. Not that the Bucs never do that, but I don't know if he's going to be a drop guy, um, 270 pounds, 6'5". I, I want to see how he tests. He tests in a few days, I think, maybe next week. Um, it's a big one. I need to see how he tests. Uh, he and Jordan Smith, who are on my edge rankings, are the only guys I think on there that haven't tested yet. That's why the edge rankings came when they did, by the way. I was waiting for the Miami and the Washington uh, guys to test. Um, so we'll see with Peyton Turner. Um, I don't know if he's a Bucks fit, but I really like him. Uh, he can rush inside. He's great with his hands. He doesn't play with a ton of leverage, but some of these big, long, strong guys who are good with their hands, you know, these DeForest Buckner types, Calais Campbell types, they've never really played with great leverage. Um, even Avita even Vea has never played with great leverage. He's a little bit more built low to the ground, but – Um, it just doesn't matter. He stands straight up all the time. It just doesn't matter. He's so strong, so physical, good with his hands. Um, That's really what I see with Peyton Turner. Like guys can get into him occasionally, but most of the time he's able to hip toss guys off and knock their hands down. He's just really physical, really violent, very aggressive. But from a three-point stance, he's explosive. He covers ground. Um, Even from a two-point stance at times, he's just really uncomfortable in a two-point stance. He's like, kind of wobbling around all the time and like reshuffling his feet. And so his feet aren't ready to fire at the snap. And you really need that, I think. So I like Peyton Turner a lot. I don't know whether it's fit with the bucks. I Selfishly, I kind of just like to see him in Tampa Bay because I'm a fan of his, but um, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. Tony Montana says, considering Tampa Bay wants to win now, can you see a trade up for anyone giving away three first rounders, for example, <laughs> three first rounders, um, Am I reading that right? Give away three first rounders. No, I could not see that. That'd be crazy. Um, the only way they trade up, I think, that like far is uh, quarterback. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that that's going to be in the cards for them or not. Um, Stank says, I asked about Queedy. I feel like he – I think it's Queedy Pay. I don't know, or quitty Pay. For what Bowles likes to do with his inside-outside versatility – Okay. So with pay, one of the things that drove me craziest was that Michigan used him so terribly. I don't know that I think he might eventually be a good inside rusher, but in college, he really wasn't that great of an insider. I mean, occasionally you'd see a win over a guard that overset or something, but I think he can be one. He has a frame to be one, but he, and he just wasn't developed at all. And that's like a a developmental thing, right? Like you play on the edge, you learn how to pass rush, you learn how to work your craft, then you move inside And you're able to do some things there, and they just tried to like basically use him as this hybrid. He was he was head up on the tackle at times, you know, playing from a square stance, so like not really getting off the ball or threatening with speed to power. We just didn't get to see enough of Quiddy Pay, honestly. He could be the best edge in this class. He could be a total bust. Um, I just have no clue. Like, you know, use obviously there's you know if you took his five or six best plays, you'd be excited. I just don't know what is and again a guy that almost always played or played a lot I should say not almost always but played a lot from a three or four point stance you know crouched down inside now is he going to go to a team like the Bucks where you're standing up and you're dropping if he can if Bulls continues to drop his guys 100 snaps or more a game is that going to be in the cards for him is that you know what because he didn't do that a lot at Michigan that I saw so I don't know if the fit's going to be there or not he again like I said I really think he could be amazing I mean, his ability to turn corners is crazy but he's got to become more consistent off the ball he could be the last guy off the ball half the time um and with his level of explosiveness that just doesn't make much sense so he could be another one like cam sample who i wrote about too that just wasn't used really in a way that allowed all their traits to be able to shine um and so maybe the next step for him is is a better one uh for quipe we'll see uh, ricky wants to know starting to hear more and more away links to the box thoughts. I have not heard any links to the Bucs, if that's what you're asking for my thoughts on that. I've seen occasionally people mock them to the Bucks because they need an edge rusher. I haven't heard any the Bucks are interested in Jason Away. Um, if you're asking me to confirm that, uh, I can't. If you're asking me to confirm Jason Away and his skill set, I mean, he's my number three guy. I think he could be a total bust. I think he could be great. Again, I'd love, I mean, look, you have zero sacks your final year of college and you have seven in your entire college career. You've probably heard me say on the show before, the only edge defender in the NFL since at least 2000 that is a premier player that has become a premier player who played primarily on the edge in college and didn't get double-digit sacks in college is Danell Hunter. That's it. So you were talking about a guy who has to be an outlier of all outliers. And I said this last year when Caleb and Jason was in the draft. I said – you can like Caleb and Jason all you want, but in the end of the day, you have to recognize that you are choosing an incredible outlier. If you think Quito pays or if you think uh, Caleb and is going to be a top five player in this class, top 10 player in this class an annual double digit guy, a first round graded player, all the above. Like you just have to take, you just have to understand there's that level of risk associated with it. It's hardly ever happens where a guy plays primarily in the edge in college. It doesn't get double digit sacks and then becomes a premier edge rusher in the NFL. So that's where the threshold is. Away didn't get there. He's not the only one who didn't get there. I think Quidi just got there. Uh Osai got there. I think. Yeah, he had five is like an off-ball guy. But who else didn't get there? Somebody else didn't get there for sure. Um, I forget who it was. One of these other guys. I think Tryon maybe didn't get there. I think he had nine. I think that's who it was. Um, so yeah, you recognize that production level risk with away. But if you're going to take a risk on the guy that's like that, okay, you know, you're describing to me this player that didn't get double digit sacks. Is he an elite athlete? Yes. Does he have an elite frame? Yes. <laughs> Did he at least improve in some capacity last season? Yes. He was a really good run defender last year. Um, so yeah, he's got a long way to go. There's no question about it. It's a big risk. Uh, you got to decide as your defensive line coach is, does he love the game? First of all, does the kid love the game? Does he want to be great? Um, does your defensive line coach, you know, can he get the most out of him? um, those are kind of the things you got to figure out because at the end of the day, it's it's a big risk in the first round. That's a valuable pick, and um, you know you might not want to take that chance. So we'll see. I, I wouldn't advocate for the Bucks taking that chance. I'd like to see who's on the board, but I wouldn't advocate for them taking that chance in the first round. I, w- I would just think there are better there's better options uh, potentially uh, for you to take with that with that pick. I would think. Um, scroll down here a little bit more. Uh, Ali McNeil to back up Vita Vea. Um, hmm. I just haven't really been impressed with Ali McNeil, just gonna be honest. I know some people like him. He's just very, I mean, there's just nothing as a pass rusher. nothing. If he gets to the quarterback, it's just um, Scott told me I need to go back and watch two thousand and nineteen because it was better. So we'll see maybe. but uh, this past season or head up on the center player this past season there was just nothing as a pass rusher. It's just, um, you know, he just bowls into people and that's it. He doesn't have any hands, nothing, no moves. I need to see pass rush juicer. I just don't, I'm not that fond of you as a prospect in the early in the stages of the draft. Um, so yeah, if McNeil's there in the fourth round, I mean, maybe, but um, I, I don't think that's going to happen. And I, I I just don't see a lot of value in what he does. I mean, if he's just a run stuffer, he's not even a dominant run stuffer. Like Vita Vea is like cream of the crop, elite run stuffer and even if then if he couldn't rush the passer i wouldn't care about him i just wouldn't want i mean it's everything is about how you affect the passing downs i mean i would have a third round grade on him or something but the fact that he can rush the passer makes him unique especially for a nose tackle i don't think a Lee mcneil is that type of unique so we'll see I'll, I'll watch him at three technique which scott said he played more in, in 2019 and i'll see what i think of him um bill i think you probably just heard us uh talk about see what time it is. Uh, Jason away uh, on the pod. So I answered some of those questions. I think if you saw that Teron Jackson from Coastal Carolina is a late round guy. Long lost glazer wants to know uh, it's very possible. I haven't taken a look at Teron Jackson late round guys are going to be my nemesis this year. Scott's actually um, getting to late round guys as we speak. I think he sent me like 15 dudes today, Um, but he's he's watching a lot of late round guys trying to find out some bucks. Best bets. I'm going to focus on some of the guys, at the top of the draft, so I can get some rankings out for y'all. But possible, I'll have to take a look at him. Same thing for Malcolm Coons from Buffalo. I did. I think Kevin include his name in the um, in the article, saying he's one of the guys that I have on my list to try and get to before the draft. Y'all know how it is. Like when when you're me, I I watch all these guys and I watch them closely, and so it takes some time for me to just to be honest. And so I'll watch as many as I possibly can before the draft I'll definitely get to 20 before the draft hopefully I can get to 25 good guys like Chris Rumpf and uh, who else um, um, the the Florida State guys Janarius Robinson um, uh, Kendo, Joshua Kane Doe, Um, I don't know if I'm saying that name right but um, those are all guys I'm going to try try to uh, try to watch as well so yeah those are on my list of edge defenders for sure Pitt's going to be a wide receiver in the NFL David wants to know we'll have to see no, he's not going to be a wide receiver in the NFL. But he will he do wide receiver things? I think that's very possible. Atlanta's drafting Pitts at four. Stank says, yeah, I think probably. That would be my guess. If they're not moving back, um, I think that he's going to be, probably be, be drafted at four. Um, to, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, unless they, they're like, we're going to move on from Julio after the season, then maybe they take Jamar Chase. I mean, that's that's great, too. Um, one of those two guys if they don't move back. I, those, those two guys are studs, man. <laughs> Kim. I'm sick. The Bucks are gonna have to face them a couple times a year. They're 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 almost like can't miss guy. I mean, nobody's can't miss in the draft, but that's how I see those guys. I don't know how how people pass on those guys. Ty says I need to watch Cam Sample. Thank. I've just been scrolling the chat looking for somebody to bring up Cam Sample. I have him higher than probably everybody else out there. I mean, I I love Cam Sample. Here's why I really like Cam Sample. I just don't know how you can mess him up. And in this edge class, I maybe I needed a little bit of that, just that comfort with Cam Sample. Uh, he just, he could play inside. He's physical. He plays with leverage. He's good hands. He doesn't get bodied up on tape. Um, he didn't get bodied up at the senior bowl. In fact, he was voted best player. I forget what team he was on, South or North, whatever, but he was voted best defensive player from the week of practice, played well in the game, showed he could be an interior pass rusher, uh, they're a team that didn't use them well either or, or didn't use them in a way that was conducive to his um, to his scouting. Um, he was head up on the tackle a lot of the time, so he's playing from a flat stance. He's firing off into the tackle and kind of two-gapping. NFL teams don't tend to play that way, definitely not the predominant amount of the snap. So, again, you'll have more opportunities to play out wide, to convert speed to power. You play from a wider alignment. You're more explosive off the ball, more speed. You get to the point of contact. You've created, obviously, momentum. Again, Science. Um, and so that's why I like with sample is that when he gets those opportunities on tape, he forklifts guys, he gets back underneath, underneath blocks and inside a uh, good pass to the quarterback as a pass rusher in his build. He reminds me a lot of Carl Lawson, but I think there might be, he has to get as good with his hands as Carl Lawson, but there's some similarities in their playing style. I think, um, that could make sample a, a better, pl- a more productive player in the NFL, uh, than he was in college. So I do like him, um, a a good bit i think he could again he could he could be a bucks fit um i don't know how much he's going to drop it's kind of like peyton turner you know i I don't know how much those guys are going to drop in the nfl they don't have that kind of athleticism their athleticism is very pass rush athleticism like it's that burst and bend but not necessarily this movement ability in space that a guy like osai and away have. i wouldn't see pay do those kinds of things as much in college but um yeah, so I don't know whether it'll be a fit or not, but um, I I do like Cam Sample. I think again, like if even if just this season, he could be an inside rusher for the Bucks or kick outside, and they, he just gives them flexibility. Jason Pierre-Paul, I don't know full time if he's the kind of guy that they would take and see as a full time player for them, but definitely a fun player on tape. I I like a lot of what he does um, for sure. Edward wants to know, since OJ is on his fifth-year option and Gronk is a year-to-year decision, how about Kyle Pitts? This probably was with the trade-up question, and I missed it. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, everybody kind of answered that. Pitts is going top 10, maybe top five. <laughs> Edward was hoping dude would fall. Dude, so was I. If the Bucs got Kyle Pitts, you might as well not even play this season, man. I'm just being honest. Like, Don't even play this season because it's going to be a wrap for everybody. He is he's a special player. I really think he's a special player. Uh, Jack jumps in with some good news. The Bucks use motion on fifty-seven percent of passing plays, and play action on twenty-seven percent after the buy. Full breakdown coming. Great stuff, Jack. Jack is by the way grinding away, sending me emails on Buck stuff that he is kind of just—he's literally charting stuff and coming and figuring out stats on the Bucs season. So when I get back to the Bucks uh, for pre-season uh, uh, articles, I'm going to be plugging Jack's stuff all the time because. Uh, he's sending me a lot of really good information on the Bucks that right now I would have to clone myself to be able to get done. So thank you, thank you, Jack. That's good stuff, and I appreciate when always whenever you jump in and give us some stats on the team. That's uh, definitely very helpful. I think uh, Ren gave a one dollar super chat. I'd like to recognize Ren. I'm not sure if um, you know he couldn't give one cent. Wow, cool, Ren. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, I'm not sure if that was for my Wi-Fi or if my Wi-Fi has been okay on the show. I'm not sure what that point of that was um ty said jason has said this year they have the luxury to pick a project player and they also said they want speed on defense yes i think you're exactly right that all of this again what we're seeing some of the mid-round guys okay the rashad weavers the the even the gregory rousseau's probably i mean he talked about speed you're, you're not speed and burst with gregory rousseau you know you're talking about physicality you're not getting those kinds of things um you know boogie Basham, um even even peyton turner camp sample guys that i like um, Quincy Roche, not Speed. I mean, you know, all these guys, as you hear the Bucs talk about what they want at edge defender, they don't feel like great fits. And They're probably going to go later in the draft, and guys like Away and Asai are going to go earlier in the draft. And if the Bucs don't take those guys at 32, they're probably not going to get those guys. They That may be fine for the team ultimately, but if their objective is to go in and get a pass rusher in this class, they may not feel like they can miss out on the opportunity to draft the guy at 32. And still get the player that they want. So, think about all of that when you're thinking about who the Bucks, when you're mocking for the Bucks. When you're think think about all of that because the type of player the Bucks have kind of told us, and they could be lying. They could you know go draft Cam Sample and he's not really a great athlete, but he's good a lot. You know they could be lying about what they want. Um, but if they're not, the the prototype here when we're looking at this list, I'll pull up the list and so we can kind of just go through it. The prototype for the Bucks types here. I mean, Phillips, obviously, if he's there, he fits. Ojalari fits if he's there. We haven't talked about him much, but again, he didn't run great, but I think his tape is clear. He's explosive. Away, a sigh, maybe pay. We didn't, again, we didn't get to see him in that role ton. But Turner's probably not a space player. I don't think anybody's going to watch Peyton Turner and say, oh, speed, physicality, though. Physicality, same with Cam Sample, physicality, yes. Uh, Rashad Weaver, I wouldn't imagine, is a Bucks fit. Quincy Roche, I'd be surprised if he's a Bucks fit. Uh, Joe Tryon did have pretty solid athletic testing. Um, A lot of people have actually mocked Joe Tryon to the Bucs. To me, if they don't take one of those early guys away or a side, maybe a 32, and those guys are gone when they pick in the second round and Joe Tryon is still there, he could be their second round pick. So let me take that opportunity to tell you why I don't really like Joe Tryon. (laughs) I just don't know what Joe Tryon does well on tape at all, really. I mean, he's okay, point of attack defender, and he plays hard, but there's no pass rush moves really. There's, there's, I mean, the only time he really went, he's just big and he's physical. And he can, you know, he can hit tackles and knock in the pack. 12. I mean, you can hit tackles, and knock him off balance, things like that, but he's not really a bull rusher. He's not a long arm rusher. There's most of his plays are just him running around like a, cra- especially passing plays, he just runs around like a crazy guy. And Washington State is just a crazy tape. I mean, he just runs straight at the tackle over and over and over again. There's no plan. There's no moves. You know, you don't see his athleticism on display. He, he, his legs kind of flare as he runs a little bit, flare out. I don't. I wonder if he's as agile. I know his testing was okay, but it, you know, his, I wonder if he's that agile. His agility. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I'm not. I don't really see it with Joe Tryon. Now, I have heard that he loves the game and he works hard. And he, like I said, he's physical and he's aggressive. Uh, he's tough. So those you know core-based things are, are in place. I just don't see the pass rush athleticism come out with him. I don't think the techniques there or the skills develop. So it's hard for me to be high on a guy like that. I, I don't really know what the excitement – like at least with guys like Asai in a way, you see, okay, they're premier athletes. Like they're going to be some of the best athletes on the field you know when they get to the NFL. You might have to teach them some things, but like I see their high-end reps look amazing. Literally go watch Joe Tryon's highlights on YouTube. Just watch his highlights. You tell me if there's special plays in his highlights. Sometimes when I watch a couple games of a guy and I'm like, I don't get it at all. Like, let me just see what his best plays look like. And if you can't even tell me his best plays look good, then I'll know. I, you know, I don't need to watch more. Like, this is what it is. Um, that's kind of how I feel with him, man. I, I'm not sure. Um now, athletically, he tested well enough for me to think maybe there's something there, um, but yeah. John Ward says, come for the great draft coverage day for the masterful PowerPoint and Excel skills. Google spreadsheets, actually, John. Google spreadsheets, uh, yes. Um, Google spreadsheets. AB wants money, he gone. Well, we'll see. Real, I'll touch on AB real quick here. Um, this dude wants money, and Bucks aren't going to offer it more than they're offering now. They're offering, but they're not offering more than they're offering now. And guess what? If somebody else was going to do it, they would have done it. I mean, we've been in free agency what three weeks now. I mean, AB is not because of his off the field and his age too. He's thirty three. I mean, geez, I just can't believe this dude. I mean, you literally get another chance, just take it, dude. Like, um, it's so it's just crazy to me. Like, and and it's not just him. It's probably the advice he's getting too, but from his camp. But it's just, dude. Like, what do you think is gonna? I don't think a team is gonna up their offer in the next couple of weeks, there's no reason to free agency is what it is. Like everybody's settled in after the draft. If you wait till the draft, you might as well wait for training camp, see if somebody gets desperate, but that's a long shot. I mean, even if somebody has a couple injuries, they're going to go out and look for an, a solution. But I mean, there's only a couple teams that would say, okay, you know, the chiefs lost, you know, Michael Hardman and Tyree kill or something then. Okay. Maybe the chiefs get desperate enough to do something, but how much more and to take the risk of not being on a roster potentially. You know, the Bucs get an opportunity to draft, who knows, you know, what wide receiver they love in the first round. Say they if all of a sudden their offer is going to be off the table. If Seattle is offering two, and I'm sure it's more than just one team, and they get a chance to draft somebody, their offers is going to be off the table. And then where are you going to go? I mean, you're 33 years old and you have rape and sexual assault accusations that you're still facing, and your next court date's in December for those. What do you think? People are going to give you $5 million guaranteed money? You're going to have a multi-year deal on the table. It's not going to happen, bud. Take what money you can get and get back in the league. If that's what you want. If not, whatever. Long lost Glazer says a Pitts is smart. He should tell his agent to label him as a wide receiver. If he believes he's going to make a big money, second contract, Kittle and Kelsey getting 15 million while Julio is getting 22 million. I mean, you might be right. Long lost Glazer, but we're so far off from that. The cap is going to do so many other things. Tight end is going to be a more valued position and he is if he's as good as he's going to be, you know, as we think he's going to be, he's going to get paid no matter what position you call him. I mean, he just is like, you know, so I I don't know that he's, and again, we've saw the wide receiver market come back down um, this offseason. So yeah, there's, um, there's layers to it as well. These markets kind of get to a point and they come back down a little bit. So um, that's kind of how I see it with that. Um, Oh, Jack, he asked me about Jamar Johnson uh, from Indiana. I got to watch him because my guy, Mike Renner loves him. I mean, he, Loves them. So I haven't heard anybody else talk about him. Um makes plays on the ball. I know that. I, I know tackling might be an issue, but uh, I know I know Bucks probably aren't gonna draft safety, but um yeah, I I I have to watch tomorrow. I haven't watched many safeties, they'll probably be the last position group I get to. Um I uh, yeah, I just because the Bucks probably aren't gonna take one, and so you know I've got to, and it's not a great safety class or rumored to be a great safety class. So, uh, But I'll take a look at Jamar Johnson before the draft. He, he's one of my the few safeties I will probably look at for sure. Jack wants to know anything on Milton Williams. Always see PFF grade him highly. Um, Milton Williams is probably going to be in my D-tackle rankings. My plan right now, and we'll see how life <laughs> takes me in this next uh, week, but my plan right now is to have the same defensive ta- – like the had the edge defender rankings for this week. My plan is to have the defensive tackle rankings next week and do a Thursday show on those. Remember, for those who didn't know, Dane Brugler is coming on Wednesday night now, so he'll be on Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern next week. We will talk about quarterbacks. We'll talk about Kellen Mond. We'll talk about um, the um, Cal Trask. We'll talk about the uh, Stanford guy. Um, his name is escaping me right now davis mills or whatever and we'll talk about those guys on the show and then we'll talk about late day three sleepers um a quarterback or undrafted free agent quarterback We'll talk about jamie newman too just even though i know his stock is plummeting um but we'll talk about him too and any other options that could be for the Bucks. so we'll talk a lot of quarterbacks and future quarterbacks with Dane, and we'll ask him a few bucks related questions too you know other draft for 32 we'll ask for his thoughts at what they do at 32 and things like that as well. So um, we will pick his brain on other things, but we'll focus mainly on quarterbacks. Uh, but yeah, so I'll, I'll, ta- I'll try to talk about defensive tackles then and Milton Williams included on Thursday show a week from today. But also Tuesday, Cam Braid is coming on, um, is coming on the Peter Report podcast as well on Tuesday. Uh, so you can look forward to that. Cam Braid, a guest, he'll be on with Mark and Scott, I believe on Tuesday, going to be a fun, fun pod for sure. Uh, wanted to mention another fun thing that's going on on Tuesday is Locker Room. We do these Locker Room sessions. Locker Room is a social audio app that is changing the way we talk about sports. It's the only place for live audio conversations about the takes, rumors, news, and teams you care about. React to sports news as it happens. Gather all your friends and watch parties for the biggest games. Rep your favorite teams and find your community. Better Sports Talk is just a tap away Download on the Apple App Store and join the conversation with Locker Room. Jack, who just asked that question, he's always in on the Locker Room sessions. Ren's in there sometimes, don't let that keep you away. Uh, Josh Allen's in there a lot of the time as well. Got a bunch of people in the chat that are uh, jumping into those conversations consistently. So we have a ton of fun. We talk a lot of draft. We go detailed and behind the scenes on those things. Uh, It's a pretty good time. So definitely check out Locker Room, download Locker Room, and follow Peter Report on Locker Room um, for more of that insight. Uh Bubba Gump brings up Kevin Givens, which is random. If he gets caught by the 49ers, we should be all over him. I know he got in trouble. I do not remember what he got in trouble for. I liked Kevin Givens probably more than anybody else in that draft class. And I like DJ Jones probably more than anybody else in that draft class. 49ers took both of them, and both of them have played well there. I agree with that, Bubba Gump, that if he gets cut, we should be all over the Bucks should be all over him. Except I don't know what he did, and that matters to me. So I, I don't know why he would be getting caught. I know he, something happened off the field, but I can't remember what it is. So if you remember what it is, throw it in the chat. But um, he's definitely a name I'd have on my radar for sure. Who is the better nose tackle, Tyler Shelvin or Daryl Slayton? That will be something that we talk about next week on the podcast on Thursday for sure. My guess is that uh, it'll be Shelvin, but I haven't taken the, the look at Slayton that I want to. So I'm going to try and get. To try and add him to the rankings uh it's hard to know where to draw the line of d tackle because you get past the first wave of guys and then there's like 50 dudes that oh this guy could be a run stuffer this guy could be a nose tackle in the nfl yeah but not every team's even carrying a nose tackle these days so um so yeah um so yeah so uh, we'll have uh, lots of defensive tackle chat on, on next week on the podcast for sure uh it's gonna be good stuff uh, so looking forward to that again like i said cameron Bright next week on the podcast dane brugler defensive tackle rankings It's going to be a great week and a great month, honestly, on the Pew Report podcast because we're draft coverage as always. We've got other great guests lined up. I was talking to a few today that we're lining up and setting dates with. Um, It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. So thanks so much for another great week and for listening to another edition of the Pew Report podcast. Out.